I said, when you were in here by yourself, what do you do? And he said, in here by myself? I don't come in here by myself. There's nothing in here for me to do in here by myself. I come in here to preach to the congregation. And I said, have you ever thought of coming in here and just being with the Lord? If this is where people come to connect with God, and you are an instrument by which people are connecting to that God that's in this building, have you ever thought of coming here yourself and connecting with the Lord that is using you to connect to people? And he literally said, no, I've never thought of that. I have a friend that's a Catholic priest, and he goes in his church every day, and he prays every day for an hour every morning. And in the evening, he does his rosary in the church. But I've never thought about going into the church to do anything other than to preach, because that's what I saw the church as. I said, go in there every day. Come in here every day, because we're in the church. Every day. And... Be with God by yourself. And as you're with God, don't ask God for anything. Just tell God how much you're forgiving yourself for all these things that you've done. And you'll find that loving. I promise you, you'll find it. And he says, and if I don't? And I said, if you don't, we'll talk about it later. I have no, no option other than just to do this. Because at that time, I knew about the power of prayer and the discovery of the loving inside if we really focus inside through that action. And I also knew the power of meditation. But I did know that this was a man who was struggling with his own religious belief and his own religious tradition. I didn't want to start imposing something else upon him. We all have to start where we are and move forward. And it wasn't fair to me to move him into a whole different paradigm of consciousness and being without giving him a foundation and a pathway to walk to get there. So I started him where I started, which was forgiveness and with forgiveness of self. So he said, could I get your number again? So I wrote it back down and I left. Months and months and months went by. Well, I thought about him a lot. By now, he was ingrained in me. And I even drove by the church a few times wanting to peek. <laughs> I literally did one time. I parked the car and I remember walking up and the windows were too high. I couldn't look inside. <laughs> So I went back out and I got in the car and I stood on the, on the door frame and was looking up to see if I could see inside the church to see if he might be inside just to see. I couldn't see inside still, so I don't know. But I was curious. I wanted to know what he was doing with what I shared. Was it working for him? Was he doing anything? Months and months went by. He called me again. He said, where do you live? And I said, well, I live at home. I would rather you didn't come over here because I don't want to have a conversation with my parents here. So why don't, we, why don't I come to the church? He said, no, I don't want to have you come to the church. Let's meet somewhere else. So we met 
in front of the zoo in San Antonio was where I landed. We met in front of the zoo. He bought a couple of tickets and we went for a walk to the zoo. He bought the popcorn, bought Cokes, and we're walking around and talking and eating popcorn. And we're just chit-chatting about nothing. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of like going, so what are we doing here? Why are we, why did you call me? And why are we at the zoo? <laughs> and so we're walking around and looking at the animals and we're just, you know, like, oh, look, look, here's the monkeys, here's this bird or whatever. And I, I don't have the nerve to ask him. I thought, well, he called me, let him bring it forward. And we get in front of the polar bears. And the polar bears see us and they start, you know, getting up and they're going like this, trying to get us to throw something. So he pulls out this bag of peanuts out of his pocket and he starts throwing it to this polar bear. And he's running around and getting the peanuts here and the peanuts there. And another one comes out and he's going like this and he throws him some peanuts and, and I'm enjoying it. It's a lot, a lot of fun. And so he said, wait a minute and I'll be right back. And he goes off for a little while and he comes back with about seven, eight, nine slices of bread that he got. He got from the uh, restaurant, you know, where they have the hot dogs and stuff. And he started throwing a slice after slice out, you know, kind of like uh, throwing it out like a Frisbee. And it'd go flying over and, and near the bears and they'd eat it. And he said, you know, I tried what you said. And I said, oh, praying in church? He said, yeah, and it didn't work. And he says, I was really mad at you. And then I got really mad at God. I went in, I confessed everything, I told God I'd forgive myself, and I just didn't get anything. And so I came here one day with a group of kids from the church, and as we were walking around, I was sitting here, and the kids were all playing around with the bears and stuff, talking to them and throwing peanuts. And I noticed this one bear, and he kept standing there and kind of waving his hands like this, and kids would throw the peanuts, but they weren't getting across to where he was because of the ditch that was between the kids and the bear. And all of a sudden he realized like the bear was trying to get his attention, trying to get him to come over and throw him something because the kids couldn't throw it far enough. <laughs> that was his way of interpreting what he saw. So he went over and he took a bag of peanuts and he threw the peanut and it landed over where the bear could get it and the bear ran over and started eating it and he stood up and he looked at the man and he didn't do anything, he just stared at him, stared at this preacher. And so he threw it again and the bear went over and he got it and then the other bear came out as he did the time we were there. And the other bear just stood and watched for a little bit and then he started coming up and wanting more. And so the preacher's grabbing one bag of peanuts from one kid and another and another and after a while, he's just really in the feeding the, the bear these peanuts until finally the bears just stop. They stop getting up. They stop trying to get his attention. They just stop and they go and they, they, they lay back down. And they were full. They didn't want any more. And he realized something in that. In the church, when he was praying, he wasn't allowing God to fill him up. He was just talking to God, telling God things. And he wasn't letting God share with him. He wasn't allowing him 
self to receive and to be filled up to the full. And he said, you know, I come out here all the time now because these bears are my reminder. I don't find God in church in that building where we met. <clears throat> I find God here in the zoo. And they're right there on those two bears. <laughs> he said, they constantly remind me of how hungry I am and how I need more and more and more. But if I'll just let someone fill me up to full, I'll just lay down and rest and everything will just be fine. And I know that there's going to be somebody else out there to fill me up when I'm hungry again. He said, I know that's God. And I found it right here. And he said, so I come here all the time just to remember that, to allow God to fill me up, to allow God in, to allow myself the freedom, not to have to prove anything to God, not to have to be something such as a preacher, not to have to ask for forgiveness or to, to be forgiven, just to let God love me. He said, you know what? I know the wholeness of God's loving that you were talking about. And it's wonderful. He said, but now I need your help. I said, you've got God's loving and you need my help? He said, how do I as a Baptist preacher who's supposed to preach damnation and hellfire and if you do this, you'll get to heaven and if you don't do this, you won't get to heaven and you'll go to hell... How am I going to stand before my congregation now and lie to them? And I said, are you lying to them? He said, I'm lying to them. God loves everybody. God's not going to let anybody go to hell. If God loves everybody like I know he loves me, then I know he's not going to let anyone go to hell. So how can I stand up in front of everybody in this church and say, you're going to go to hell if you play cards. You're going to go to hell if you dance. You're going to go to hell if you drink alcohol. And he said, I can't do it. He said, last Sunday, I had a crisis. I got up to preach, and I had nothing to say to them other than God loves you. And I shared with them a little bit about God's loving that I had discovered and people got up and started leaving and the board now is wondering what's happening to me and next week we're having a board meeting to talk about whether or not I'm still the preacher that they want in the church they've seen a change in me and they're not sure they like it they're not hearing the words of wrath from God that they want to hear they don't want this stuff that I'm talking about called loving. And I said, look, it's okay because there's others that do want it. There's others that you will find that will listen. He said, but if I lose my job, I don't know where I'll go. I'm a Baptist preacher. No matter what Baptist church I go to, they're going to want a certain presentation and I can't do that now 
I hurt myself if I do it. He said, I know it because I've done it. And it causes separation inside of me from that loving that I've discovered. And he says, I'm so grateful to you and I'm so angry with you at the same time. But I, he said, I can't stay angry with you because if I do, I don't know God's loving inside of me. So what do I do? And I said, go and be honest with them. He said, the board? I said, no. No. <laughs> They've already made up their mind. Go be honest with the people this Sunday. Go tell them what you found. Go tell them how you found it. And see what they have to say. So three weeks went by. Didn't get a call. Finally, I got a call. Thank God. I didn't go on for months. He called and I immediately said, well, do you have a job? He says, oh yeah, I've got a job. I said, is it the job you want? He goes, well, it's, it's a job. <laughs> I said, are you still at the same church? And he said, unbelievably so. <laughs> and I said, what does that mean? He said, there is a battle royal going on in my church right now. He said, in this church, there are those that want exactly what I'm sharing, and there are those that want to crucify me. And he said, I almost wish they'd just crucify me and let me go. <laughs> he said, it is hard not to stay here and be with those that want God's loving. And it would be much easier just to have them fire me and go, and I'll figure it out. I'll figure my life out. I know now. God's with me, whatever I do, it'll be okay. I know it now. He said, now I wish I had just quit. But I can't abandon the people that I've stirred all this loving up inside. I can't abandon them now. I said, that's the beginning of the new expression of God's loving in you. Now you can be an instrument of that loving into the world. And he said, damn, I didn't want that. <laughs> I said, wait a minute. You're a preacher. You're the son of a preacher and the grandson of a preacher. And that's what you're supposed to want. And he said, I know that's what I'm supposed to want, but that's not what I want. I said, what do you want? He said, I don't know, but I don't know that this is what I want. I said, until you know what you want, do what you're doing, and it'll all be perfect. He said, okay, I'll call you with the results as soon as I know. Months went by, months went by, almost a year went by. He called me again. This time I had moved. So he called, got my mother. My mother finally gave the number out once she found out it was a minister. <laughs> like, you know, well, how do you know my son? <laughs> it was so funny the conversation my mother had with him. <laughs> so we... Um, we met at a coffee shop, and we sat down and talked, and I said, so what's happening? And he says, well, I'm not at that church anymore. And I said, oh, they fired you? And he said, well, not exactly. I said, you quit? He said, no, not exactly. <laughs> I said, so exactly what happened? And he goes, well, the congregation split in half. One half fired me. The other half hired me. <laughs> We're now a new congregation at a new church. We're not a Baptist church. We're non-denominational. And we preach loving. 
And he said, this is the best thing that could have ever happened to me. I like it better than being a dentist. <laughs> Even though I was never a dentist, I like it better than being a dentist. And he says, I thank you so much for all that you've done on this great journey that you started me off on. I said, wait a minute. I don't want that authority. I didn't start you off on this journey. <laughs> I just said a word that sparked something that you had had a long time before. God started you on this journey, not me. And he went, that's right. So we sat and we had our coffee. And as we were sitting there having our coffee, this woman walked in with a friend of hers. And the, the minister knew this woman. And she was part of the congregation that was glad to see him go. So she walked by and she looked at, you know, I mean, it was a, a really cruel, hard look. I mean, it was rough. <laughs> and I had no idea what that was about. She walked on by and he looked and he said, you know, she was the biggest enemy and the one I love the most. Because I now know that if it wasn't for her, I wouldn't be where I am today. You know, I hated her when I was a preacher in that church, preaching the way they wanted, before I even started all this discovery of God's loving. I hated her because she represented everything I preached. She represented that which was self-righteous. And she held herself up as the one that everybody had to compare themselves to in the church. She was the one to be venerated, considered sanctified in the church, partly because she had the most money and everybody bowed down to her and couldn't say no to her. And that helped her to stay up in that high honor. And when I started speaking about God's loving and this split happened, she lost a lot of those people that held her up in, self, in high esteem. And she really went after me with all guns loaded and forced me out of the church. And I hated her all up until that moment. Up until that moment when she started talking about me in such awful ways. And she threatened to take the money away from the church that she donated every year, which was much of my salary. And in that moment, I loved her so much because she was offering me the opportunity of my freedom. She was offering my op me the opportunity to step forward and be the person I've always wanted to be but didn't know what it was. And I went up to her later and I thanked her. I thanked her so much and she looked at me and she said, you're the stupidest man I've ever met. You don't even know when somebody hates you. You don't even know when somebody would just love to see you run over by that bus out there as it pulls away with those kids. And he said, I thank you and I really love you. And walked away. And so as we were leaving the coffee shop, she was off in the back a little ways. She came up and she grabbed me and she, she pulled me aside from him. 
and said, what are you doing with him? Where are you going? What church has he formed? She wanted to know all what was going on. And I said, well, I don't know about the church or anything. I, I don't attend his church. She said, so what, what are you talking about? And I said, oh, about God's loving. And she said, oh, that. <laughs> and she went back off to her table. <laughs> I didn't know anything. I didn't, couldn't serve her. And oh, that. <laughs> and I realized in that story that that was the other place where I really witnessed the power of loving and the power of the inner light and the power of us knowing the truth of God inside and living that every day. And I also realized how important it is to start right where we are, loving where we are in our journey, no matter what it is. Loving it, honoring it, and then stepping forward. Ever looking to see how to bring God's loving into what's the next step, what's the next place, what's the next situation. And that loving can come forward through forgiveness, through acceptance, or loving the situation. And I realized he was one of the greatest teachers I ever had in my life because he gave me a chance to really share with him in the moment of his situation. And he allowed me to walk a journey with him in a very wonderful way. I mean, it was, it was more than three-dimensional. It was multi-dimensional in how it felt and how it, it shared itself with my, me and him. And we were just being carried along in this great adventure. <clears throat> and I really felt blessed to be a part of this journey and learning so much about the value of where you are right now and the opportunity of what there is to be experienced and learned there so that you can move forward into the greater knowing of yourself. And I have often thought about him and wondered where is he at now? I have no idea. I've actually called the church a number of years ago in San Antonio trying to find him, and they really don't know where he's at. All the congregation, I guess, has changed enough now to where they have no idea what's happened to him. I'm sure by now he's retired, and he may have died. I don't know. And, um, yes, I do. <laughs> uh, oh, that's funny. Yeah, he did die. Oh, I'm glad I talked about this tonight. Oh, he is so happy. <laughs> oh, whoa, that's wonderful. Boy, for those of you that don't know what I do or how I do, being multidimensional, being able to be aware of different realms and different experiences and souls in other realms, it's just absolutely wonderful. There's eternity of life. There's not uh, any lost consciousness, any lost experience. And he just woke up and went on. He said, Jim, I didn't die. I woke up. <laughs> he said, you woke me up to a level, but God woke me up to the rest. And I'm doing the rest. And I just want you to know it. 
So that's wonderful. You know, you never know the power of your loving with another person. Whether you're just walking down the street and you smile, and you don't know whatever happens with that smile that you've given. But I've had myself smiles from another person transform me in a moment. I can be really down and caught up in something, and their smile will just turn a light on, and I will be transformed in a moment. And then I have to make a decision. Now, am I going to go back to where I was, or do I want to stay where I am? Usually, usually, <laughs> not all the time, I have to say, I will stay in this new place that the smile has brought me to. So I know the power of that smile that is shared with me, and I know the power of a smile that can be shared with another. And that's enough to transform one person's life. Here's a story about uh, the power of transformation. And just a simple little action. And we do not realize the power of that action. I worked at a, a, a hardware and paint store. And one day a woman came in and she was moving. And she needed boxes. I need boxes. I just, I've got to get more boxes. I'm out of boxes. I've got to get out of this house today. Do you have any boxes at all? Well, just before she had gotten there, we had torn up all the boxes with razor blades and dumped them. And the, the, the uh, trash people came and had taken them. So we didn't have many boxes at all empty of any sizes. So I said, wait a minute. Let me go see what I can find. If you'll be patient, I'll get you some boxes. So I went back in the back, and I started emptying out paint cans and stacking paint cans where the boxes had been and getting her boxes. And I went over, and I took out uh, a bales of cheesecloth and got her some long, taller boxes and and I gave her about a dozen boxes. And we went out and loaded her car, and off she went. And that was it. That was the whole episode. Six, seven, eight years later, I was sharing with a group at Incarnate Word College in San Antonio with a group of people about meditation. And after I finished sharing, she came up and she said, did you used to work at a hardware store? And I go, yeah, I did. I, you know, I told her the corner, and she said, I came in there a few years ago, and I wanted some boxes. And there, you didn't have any boxes, but you went back and found me some. And she said, I don't think you realize it, but that day and that action of you going back and getting those boxes and loading up my car, you changed my life. You did that with so much caring, so much loving, that... I couldn't believe that somebody really wanted to do something like that for me, that they really took their time to help me. I've never had anybody help me before. And you've made me feel so accepted and so worthy of that action of loving that you were giving me. And I've carried that with me all these years. And every time I've gotten down, I remember those boxes. And she said, to be honest, I have one of those boxes sitting in my living room to remind me. And she said, I want what you've got. I want to be able to do for others what you did for me. And I want more of what you did for me so that I have it all the time. I don't like it when I don't have it. And then I have to go back to my living room and look at a box and remember the story behind that box. How did you do that? And how do I do it?
So I began sharing with her about meditation. She didn't need the religious story. She didn't need the religious outer ritual. She wanted the inner. So the journey for her began by sitting down and closing her eyes and going inside and focusing at the seat of the soul and connecting back to the inner light directly. Just loving God and allowing God to love her. And so with the remembrance of this preacher's storyline that I had walked with him through the church, through the ritual, through the outer, into the inner, I began this new walk with her. And it was a wonderful walk. It was actually a simpler walk because we didn't have a lot of the outer to work through. It was mainly assisting her in waking up to the inner truth and living that inner truth in a greater way every day. And that's what I hope to always do here with people is to share with them about that inner light, that inner loving, that place where God resides within us. That each of us can wake up to that ourselves. We do not need a minister, a preacher, someone standing between us and God to give us value, to tell us how we have to live our lives. It's for us to connect back into that truth which is our loving and to live that to its fullest. And believe me, loving will bring us to a place of loving. It always will. And if you find that you are looking inside and you're not going towards loving, you may not be looking in the right place. You may be looking into the mind or the emotions or the sensual nature. And if that's the case, then look higher. Look higher to the true source. Look higher to the seat of the soul, to that inner light to the inner dwelling place where God does reside in each of us. We are the temple of the Lord, and the Lord does reside in us, each of us. The kingdom of heaven is within, Jesus said. And so it is. If we will go within, we will find that kingdom, we will find that loving, and we can live that loving everywhere we go. Great mystics, great teachers throughout all time have said, be the living prayer, be the living word, be the living loving, live the truth of the divine, be the divine, you are the divine, discover inside yourself the divine, to thine own self be true, and thine own self is God. There's been so many different statements, and they all point to one place, within inside, going inside, connecting to that divine truth is where the loving is. Loving is in the world in many ways, but it isn't in things, it's in people. Every person in this world is a container of loving, God's dwelling there. But until we discover God dwelling within ourselves, we really are never going to connect and understand and know that loving that does dwell out here in the world as people. It begins within. Go inside. Connect to that divine loving inside yourself. Love yourself so you can love your neighbor. Love yourself and wake up into that loving so that you can look out and see the loving in all 
that is in this creation. It's first known within you, and then it's known in all things. If you look to all things first for the knowing, you're going to know bits and pieces of the truth, but you're not going to know the whole truth. For the whole truth doesn't exist in the bits and pieces in this creation. The whole truth resides where the whole truth resides, and that's within you. Sit down, close your eyes, and go within, and know that I am God. Be still, and know that I am God. Be still, and know the still, small voice of God. Be still, and let the loving that is the divine, living, loving essence of the Lord in you Come forth, shine forth, live forth in all that you do. When I was a child, I was told to live life very simply. For God is very simple and is found in that which is simple. And I was told, live life one day at a time, one breath at a time. And it is in that breath and it is in that moment. And it is in between the moments where God is found. So, that's my sharing tonight. Is That was fun. And it was very nice to see him. That was great. See, ask and you shall receive. It's true. <laughs> but you also want to be awake. Multidimensional. You want to be awake and aware of all the different realms so that you can see all the different ones that do come present. All the teachers. All the different ones that do come in. And it was, it was very interesting, too, when we first started. I wasn't even aware of it. But today is All Saints Day. And I hadn't even thought of that at all until all of a sudden these doorways opened and down these great corridors came all these great beings coming down to join us. And as they were coming, uh, somebody behind me over here, one of the people that was just gathered together like we are here, uh, but in spirit, said, oh, it's the saints. It's All Saints Day. Hooray. They're here. <laughs> and I realized, oh, my gosh, it is All Saints Day. And we are really all saints waiting to wake up, waiting to know our own sainthood, our own sanctity. So wake up. Go inside and become the living saint that you really are. God dwells within you. God in you is perfect. The soul in you is perfect. There is nothing that you can do in this world that will separate you from the Lord that you are. Know that and live it. And let God in you live in you and through you. And be the loving being that you are. So I don't know if Brian has anything to share. Well, thank you all very much for coming. It was Thank you. That was great. I enjoyed that. <laughs> we'll see you all next Tuesday. And if you want to, please come Sunday and we'll talk about the Coins for Kids project.